supposed to trust you When I can never tell just where the hell you've been Am I supposed to lie alone and suffer? But you can't expect for me to just pretend Yes I do, yes I do, yes I do, I do love you And you know, and you know, you know I put up with too much Tell me why, tell me why don't you act like you're supposed to I guess you're too cold or too bold to give a guys welcome back to the infinite infidelities podcast well welcome back that is if you listen to my debut podcast just a few weeks ago and if you're a first timer welcome and thanks for taking the time out to listen i'm your host lj and this is infinite infidelities now this podcast is meant to be chronological it's fine if you want to start with this episode but i do think it's best if you take a step back and start from the beginning there's only one other episode not a whole lot to get caught up on but starting at the beginning will make for a much better story and just make a lot more sense overall so please go back listen to episode one if you haven't this is again the infinite infidelities podcast and it's no secret what we're discussing cheating cheaters who cheat so please join the conversation hit me up on ig at infinite.infidelities or email me infinite.infidelities at gmail.com i want to hear it all good bad or ugly so please do share if you have a low down dirty dog and that is male or female please share your stories i'm telling you it is helpful and therapeutic to share our stories with one another at least i know it is for me which is why i'm doing this podcast in the first place I had something to say. I needed a sounding board. I needed this platform. And it's always nice to carve out a little space for yourself in the world where you can air whatever it is that you need to air, whatever it is that you need to get off your chest. If that's what you want to do, hey, I'm here for you. So please do share your stories. And it doesn't have to be just the bad stuff either. I know the name of the podcast may lead one to believe that, but I want to hear good things too. So if you found your knight or princess in shining armor and he or she has managed to single-handedly restore your faith and love and fidelity, please share your secrets with the rest of us and hit me up on IG, infinite.infidelities or email infinite.infidelities infidelities at gmail.com so the very lovely music that you hear in the background is the one and only miss tony braxton and as promised this is track number two off of the sex and cigarettes album this song is actually the title track sex and cigarettes i can really listen to this album every day all day start to finish 
it is an amazing body of work and we don't really get that too often anymore in music there's always a hot single out but i think it's kind of rare nowadays that we get a complete album i'm talking a solid eight tracks partially uh, i think it's due to the fact that our attention spans won't allow for it any longer but occasionally someone shatters that mold and i think that she has with this album it's great so please check it out if you have not and i'm not even getting paid to say that it's really just a great piece of work i had the extreme pleasure of attending tony's 2019 tour when she wrapped this year earlier this year at the microsoft theater in la and i was in the building doing my very best phony braxton impersonation it was a great great show and i have officially made the sex and cigarettes album the unofficial soundtrack to this podcast so keep listening and i promise we will kick off episode number three with track number three so there are just uh, so many sides and perspectives and ideas and opinions when it comes to love and fidelities. Uh, there are the everybody who cheats theories and then there are those who are all about being faithful and then there's everything in between those sides. But I'm all about exploring all opinions, all ideas. I'm an avid listener to the breakfast club a huge fan of the show i feel like i know charlamagne the guy dj envy and angela yee i have never laid eyes on them in real life and i don't know them but i am inspired by their journey as business people and just as individuals or at least by the parts of themselves that they choose to share with the world specifically as it relates to this podcast though charlamagne the god i have read his book black privilege very good book at that's just the first one i have not made my way back around to shook ones yet but charlemagne has been pretty open about his uh, growth and development in many areas and particularly when it comes to his relationship in marriage and monogamy i recently listened to an interview he did on the breakfast club with ryan henry and bishop don of vh1's black ink crew and in the interview Charlemagne coins the phrase the faithful black male crew or FBMC. Charlemagne proudly states that he has been faithful to his lovely wife for two years and four months, although they have been a couple and married for much, much longer than that. However, he welcomes Bishop Don to the crew as well. And both men go on to say that their lives have gotten so much better as a result of their decisions to be totally faithful totally committed to the women in their lives i have to shout them out for this because they are both important members of a community and culture where having a lot of women around you all the time is generally celebrated not only is it celebrated it's often encouraged though to the point where sometimes men who choose a path of fidelity are ridiculed or thought of as weak so someone on their level and as important and influential as they are to the culture stepping out and saying yep i made some mistakes in the past but now i'm choosing to be a faithful man a committed man i care about my marriage my family all of those things i certainly think it's something to be commended so gotta shout them out for that um so that said the last time i spoke with you guys i talked a little bit about my relationship with my dad, Miguel. 
I wanted to give you guys some background and just a little perspective about the kind of man my father was well or well the kind of man my father is and how my relationship with him has shaped my thoughts and expectations when it comes to men particularly in terms of fidelity I think basically my father taught me without knowing it to keep my expectations low when it comes to men. My father was never a monogamous man. His father was never a monogamous man. In fact, my grandfather had seven children with my grandmother over the years while they were married. And throughout those years, peppered in between those seven children are other children from affairs that he'd had with various women there's my uncle george my aunt michaela my aunt kimberly and most recently my uncle steve not to mention the countless others that we may not know about yet watching the relationships in my family and how the men treated the women that they claimed to love in my family had a profound impact on how I would eventually deal with relationships of my own in my adulthood. So in this episode, I'd like to go into my first real boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, Andre. Andre was the friend of a friend who I met at the mall one summer. He was handsome enough, but as I said, he was just a friend of a friend, so I didn't give our first meeting a second thought. It wasn't until my friend Allie told me he was interested that I even thought about him in a date him kind of way. So at that time, Allie was living just up the street from me and would come over quite often just to hang out. This particular weekend, Andre was leaving for Morehouse College in Atlanta and he was making his rounds and saying goodbye to friends and Allie was one of those friends he wanted to say goodbye to. Allie was on her way to my house when he pulled up in front of hers and decided to accompany her, although he was uninvited. I told Allie, do not bring him to my house. She said, okay, and that was that. But of course, as fate would have it, she brought him anyway. And to this day, she'll say that she told him not to come and that he was just supposed to give her a ride, but he was insistent. Now, this was only the second time that I had ever laid eyes on him, and here he is in my house, uninvited. For some reason that day, I saw everything in him that I had looked right past the day that we met at the mall initially. It was like he filled up every room he walked into, and being around him on this day in particular made me hyper aware suddenly of how I looked, how my frumpy sweats looked, my t-shirt, my no makeup, my undone hair. But in spite of my lackluster appearance and feelings about myself that day, when Andre looked at me, he made me feel like he was looking at his future wife. It was just our bad luck that we connected on his last day in town. And it wasn't like he was coming back, you know, for summers or Thanksgiving. His entire family was uprooting and moving across the country. But as young stupid love would have it, we wouldn't let up. We wrote and we wrote. And that was back in the day when people actually used snail mail as a viable means of communication with people that we loved. When it was everything to get a love letter in the mail back then. We also called and called and called and this was before everyone had a cell phone. 
cell phones were more of a luxury at the time and not the necessity that they have since become. This was a time when constantly calling from the Bay Area to Atlanta was a lot of money. I mean, at this time, people were still making careful choices about their landline service providers and being extra careful about using nights and weekend minutes. We continued this long distance thing for nearly two years until I enrolled at Spelman College and joined him in Atlanta. Young love is so beautiful and pure, but so naive. During that first two years, I thought the sun rose and set because he told it to, and you couldn't have paid me to think that he was ever even slightly unfaithful to me. Although I have no concrete proof that he cheated during that time, with the passage of time and some life experience, I now realize how very unlikely it was that he remained faithful then. Even after I arrived into Atlanta, though, there were no real signs of infidelity. We lived in pure, unadulterated bliss for four years. Things started to take a turn for the worse maybe in year five. After three years of unprotected sex, we used condoms for the first two years, I became pregnant. Looking back, I'll say this was the beginning of the end, especially when he questioned me about the paternity of the baby that he had impregnated me with. I had been completely faithful to him in our relationship, and at this time, I believed that he had been faithful to me as well. I couldn't for the life of me fathom why he would ever make this kind of an accusation. Needless to say, I was extremely hurt by him even thinking that I had it in me to sleep with someone else. When I expressed to him that I wanted to have this baby, that hurt only deepened when he was emphatic about not wanting to have a baby and insisting I terminate the pregnancy. He went on and on about how unfair of me it would be to keep it if he didn't want it. And to be quite honest, although I was definitely hurt, I didn't hate him and to some extent he was right. I believe he was a young man who just saw his life flash before his eyes. The thought of having been in such a long-term relationship from such a very young age and now a baby fatherhood. I think he felt like a baby would have sealed his fate, you know, and sentenced him to a life he wasn't, he wasn't quite ready for. Of course, there is always much more to see and do. Who wants to be tied down with a baby, right? It's like he could see his freedom just walking out the door. And I would have loved to have that baby, but I just didn't want to have it with someone who didn't want to have a baby with me. I flew back to the Bay Area. My best friend, Allie, picked me up from the airport. And in two weeks, I found a clinic and terminated the pregnancy. There are quite a few opinions about abortion. And having gone through one, I can say that it was the most traumatic experience of my life. I could not stop crying. I mean, right there in the OR one minute before the procedure sitting on the table the doctor had to flat out tell me you have to calm down if you're gonna go through with this so many feelings came rushing that i didn't even know that i had 
it was impossible to push those feelings back down and to this day I avoid debates on abortion because I'm still very emotional and raw about my own experience I decided I would remain in California I was finished with school and after the termination of the pregnancy I was all but sure my relationship with Andre was ending being back in the Bay Area allowed me to be surrounded with family and friends and it gave me the love and support I needed at the time. I was able to heal, start a new job, just start anew completely. My Uncle Charles gave me a job working in his nonprofit organization as a program coordinator. That's probably the one and only time that nepotism has actually worked out for me. And while working there, I met new friends, Gregory and Rana, and continued to pick up the pieces of my broken heart. Gregory and Rana and I, we all became uh, very good friends. We laughed so much then. We had so much fun working together. It was hardly like work at all, but just what I needed at the time. Of course, ending a six-year relationship or even any real relationship is difficult. And it's most difficult when ghosts of relationship past start to rear their ugly heads. I continued to talk to Andre regularly. And with me being in California and him still in Georgia, what can I say? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Well, at least that absence was partly responsible for us being pulled back together. The other part, I'm sure, was fear fear of letting go and leaving our respective comfort zones i mean this fear i believe is what prompted andre to ask me to marry him i know it's what prompted me to say yes when i know i shouldn't have before i go on i have to say that or reiterate at least that andre was not a bad guy he was incredibly smart handsome he came from a good family he was generally honest and trustworthy he was also a little immature and still had growing to do when it came to partnering in and running a functioning household he wasn't the smoothest guy though especially with women which i found enduring because he was never the player type if you will he wasn't a liar so after the lamest no ring over the phone marriage proposal i hopped on a plane and headed back to atlanta where my fiance and i'm using the term fiance very loosely here was waiting for me i was back in atlanta for all of one month when andre told me we needed to take a break he suddenly realized that we had spent all of our young adult lives together and we needed a change we needed to experience more things, do more things, do more living, you know? And he wasn't wrong, again. It took me quite a while to get over the sting of a broken so-called engagement, but even after that, we clung to a broken relationship for nearly a year. Andre decided to move in with his parents who are now living in Texas, leaving me alone in Atlanta but still, even after his move, I spoke to Andre every day and we saw each other every weekend that we could. Thanksgiving rolled around and Andre invited me to spend it with him and his family in Texas. I drove with, for the long weekend looking forward to spending time with a family that I had come to um, feel pretty close to and it felt a lot like my own. Everything was fine until Friday night when Andre didn't come home and left me sitting there alone with his family looking humiliated. 
This was the first indication in our six years that there was someone else. I spent half of the night crying my eyes out and the other half enraged. The next morning, I was back in my little Honda Civic, headed back up the highway to my Atlanta apartment. And as you can probably guess, within a couple of months, I had sold all my furniture, took what few things I had left, packed up, hit the road, and in two and a half days, I was back in the bay, and this time for good. I don't quite know why some of us are so bad at letting go. I'm a Pisces, and Pisces are known to be very clingy in love and hard to shake when it's over. The funny thing is he was a Pisces too and perhaps that has something to do with our inability to let go of a relationship that had clearly uh, run its course. I got back to Atlanta and I became a lightweight stalker and I'm not even sure why. No, yes, I am sure why. My mind just became overrun with these made up images and ideas of the person that Andre had spent the night out with. Who was she? Were they in a relationship? Did he love her? Is he going to have the baby with her that he didn't want with me? Where Were they going to live happily ever after? In his mind, I can only imagine that maybe he worried about me in the same way, you know, finding someone new, never looking back. But after many phone calls and many I love you's and many I miss you's and his explanation that the night he spent out he was only at his aunt's house who lived just across the street he was just too tired to come home and of course I bit and fell for the story and once again we found ourselves loving long distance and vowing to make it work one night I called his house, well, his parents' house, because, yep, he was still living at home at this time, and a female voice that I didn't recognize answered the phone. Of course it was her. Who else would it be, right? I managed to squeak out, can I speak to Andre? And she answered, he's not here. And then she went on to ask me, is this his girlfriend or someone he's involved with? I quickly answered no, said goodbye, and hung up the phone what a letdown right I sat back in shock for about a minute and then decided to call back she answered the phone again and this time I told her exactly who I was but she already knew she'd only asked who I was because she wanted concrete confirmation like many women do when they already know the truth it's the whole I want to hear you say it thing right anyway on the other hand, I knew nothing about her, so I listened as she told me exactly who she was. Her name was Anne. She was an elementary school teacher at the same school where Andre's mother was a teacher. That's how they met. She wasn't rude or disrespectful. She had been seeing Andre for a little over a year. She knew my name, the kind of car I drove. She knew Andre and I had been together for seven years, but she was not exactly sure about the current status of our relationship. Andre had told her that I was a stage five clinger and he was trying to leave me, but I was making it difficult. But she thought his sketchy behavior didn't match the claim he was trying to make. The hushed or altogether ignored phone calls whenever the name L. James showed up on his caller ID made her think something was up. 
while Andre was away, she saw the name L. James calling and took the opportunity to answer the phone. She knew that I had spent Thanksgiving with his family. She told me that he didn't come home that Friday night because he was with her. Yes, in fact, they were together right across the street at his aunt's house together. She knew where I worked. Again, the kind of car I drove, about my apartment in Atlanta, about the abortion that I'd had. When we got the chance to confront him later that night, I was on the phone and she, of course, was right there in his face screaming. He couldn't have been more nonchalant about the whole thing. It was as if he could have cared less that he was caught between these two women in a web of lies. It was like neither of us mattered to him. In my quiet, non-confrontational voice, I asked him, what's going on with you? What do you want? What are you going to do about this? And he said to me in a very calm and almost loving way, we'll be fine. Don't worry about this and don't worry about her. When Anne heard Andre tell me not to worry, she hit the roof. I could hear her on the other on the other end of the phone just screaming, why doesn't she have to worry? And then it sounds like she drops the phone and charges right at him. There's near there's clearly some kind of scuffle. And I turn to my best friend Allie, who was nearby, and I'm like, oh my God, she is hitting him. They are fighting. Not <laughs> Not that he didn't deserve it, but in the seven years that I had spent with Andre, there was never physical violence between us. With Anne, it was clear that this Andre was a person that I just apparently did not know. The next morning, I was still a little stunned and shell-shocked by all that had happened. And I immediately thought, though, we've been in love for seven years. We can get past this. I called Andre every single day, putting my pride aside and saying to him, we can fix this. I don't care about her. We can work it out. I'll move to where you are or you can move here to where I am. We love each other. Let's fight for us. The harder I tried to get him to see that our relationship was worth the fight, the more distant and nonchalant he became. While I was saying things like, we can make it, let's try, He'd be like, yeah, mm -hmm, sure, all right, whatever. The last time I spoke to Andre, I was feeling good and genuinely happy to hear his voice, thinking that maybe we made some progress since that night with Anne. Something inside me just made me ask him though, are you still seeing her? The question itself irritated him. I could hear it in his voice. He answered no, but in such an angry and annoyed way that I knew immediately he was lying. I decided I wouldn't press. I didn't ask any follow-up questions and I didn't speak this out loud at the time, but something just came over me that I still can't quite explain. I don't know how to put words to this feeling, but I made up my mind right then that I would never dial Andre's number again. It was like an acceptance, almost like making peace with something. I was staring the imminent death of our relationship in the face, and when I said okay and let the acceptance wash over me, it was freeing. I felt sadness, of course, but also strength. 
I felt the power of knowing that I had done everything I could do and that there was just nothing left for me to offer up. I finished that conversation as cordially as I possibly could, hung up the phone and closed the book on that chapter of my life. I did not cry a single tear that day or any day after that for Andre. Although he has made many attempts to reach out to me through my friend Allie, who was also a friend of his, and by reaching out on social media, and all of his attempts have gone unanswered by me. I still have not spoken to him at all since that day. The funny thing is I don't feel bitter or angry. I just don't think there's anything left to say. And like I said before, Andre was not a bad guy. And I think it's important to say that I didn't carry any negative baggage with me from this relationship. When this relationship ended, I walked away with an open and trusting heart, ready to love and trust the next person that I let into my life. I hope Andre felt the same. So, guys, I think that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening to the Infinite Infidelities podcast. And please remember to rate and review the podcast. I'd really like to know what you think, what I can do better, different, etc. And please join the conversation. Share your story. Email me infinite.infidelities at gmail.com or check us out on the gram infinite.infidelities. Thanks again for listening, guys. Please come back for episode three as the story continues. Talk to you guys later. Peace.